Hi, it's Kylie Davis here from the PropTech podcast, and I've got a bonus PropTech panel episode courtesy of the PropTech Association of Australia and Stone and Chalk. This panel discusses how PropTech contributes to sustainable development. The guests are Matthew Waugh from Connexi, Anna White from Bindi Maps, and Patrick Connolly from Anility. And your host is Jennifer Harrison, Vice President of PropTech Association Australia. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. My name is Kylie Davis, and I'm the founder and president of the PropTech Association. And it's great to see you all here today for our first PropTech panel of 2021. Now, before I begin, in the spirit of reconciliation, PropTech Association Australia acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to the elders past and present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us here today. And I'd especially like to thank our founding sponsors, Stone and Chalk, who continue to make these events possible. <laughs> Sorry, just knocked over my water bottle. I'd especially like to thank our founding sponsors, Stone and Chalk, who continue to make these events possible in 2021. And for those of you who don't know, Stone and Chalk, it was founded as a not-for-profit in Sydney in 2015 to help fintech startups commercialise and grow. From 40 startups in 2015, it now has around 200 startups in Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide, covering all areas of emerging technology, including prop tech. And currently around 20 prop techs call Stone and Chalk Home, although that number is growing. And I'd also like to thank the PropTech Association of Australian Foundation partners, Ashes Lawyers, Macquarie Bank, PEXA, the Real Estate Institute of WA, Forbury, and Web IT List Once. So I'm going to hand over to your host, Jennifer Harrison, Vice President of the PropTech Association for today's panel. Take it away, Jen. Thank you so much, Kylie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PropTech panel. As Kylie just said, I'm Jennifer Harrison, and I'm Vice President of the PropTech Association Australia. In 2015, the United Nations world leaders agreed to do 17 sustainable development goals, create a better world by 2030. These goals include stopping climate change, promoting the well-being of all people, and making the built environment inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. Property technology most definitely has a role to play here, and in November 2020, PropTech Association Australia, along with 30 other national peak bodies, confirmed its support of sustainable development by joining the global PropTech for Good Alliance. It's my absolute pleasure today to have as expert guests on the panel three passionate PropTech leaders. Each guest has founded or co-founded a business that is active in the built environment and uses technology as a lever, innovate and contribute towards improved environmental, social and governance outcomes. This makes them very much aligned to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and perfect guests on our panel for PropTech for good. So let's meet them. Our first guest is Matthew Waugh, co-founder and head of growth and partnerships at Connexi. G'day Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm going really well. I'm looking forward to the, to the chat ahead. Thanks Matt. Our second guest is Dr Anna Wright, who is co-founder and CEO of Bindi Maps. Hello Anna, welcome to the panel. How are you? 
Hey, great. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And our third guest is Patrick Connolly, founder and CEO of Anility. Hi, Pat. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Lovely. Matt, let's come to you first. Your business is Connexi, which if people don't know it, they might have a guess from the name. It's something to do with connections. <laughs> yeah. Tell us in a nutshell, what, what is Connexi? Give us the elevator pitch. Yeah, so in a nutshell, exactly that. Uh, Connexi was a platform built uh, for people with a common goal or a common interest but didn't have a common platform to engage on. Um, we specifically operate in the energy space. So what we do is we act as an ETL, which is we take energy data, we surface it in real time, and we, we pair it with communication capabilities so that people can actually engage with and act on their energy behaviour and inevitably uh, optimise and improve their carbon footprint. Okay, perfect. So could you tell us a little bit more detail now, please? What is the problem you're solving for and how are you using technology to solve it? Yeah, so one of the, I guess, key, key barriers for anyone going into the renewable space is making sure that they understand what they're doing and also maximising their return on investment. It's, a, it's quite a daunting capital outlay for both commercial and residential so Connexi acts as a conduit to fill in all the missing pieces so that it's a seamless and engaging experience for any of our customers. So they literally just have to sign the agreement with the PPA provider or the power purchasing agreement, um, and Connexi does the rest. They have a free-to-download um, iOS or Android app. They can see their energy behavior in real time. They can engage with it. They can communicate with the different stakeholders. We really just take all the pain away from going into that renewable space and make it a seamless experience. Okay, great. Was there any particular inspiration or motivation or aha moment to go into the renewable energy space? Um, yeah, definitely. I think Connexi has always been built, as I said, with that idea of, of being a, a platform for people with a common interest and a common goal. And when we were approached by a PPA provider, we realised that energy is probably one of the most universal common interests um, that you could engage with anywhere. It's something that every person, every business has to in interact with in some form. Um, and so for us moving into that space and facilitating solutions in that space meant we were finally actually providing a solution that not only reduced the cost um, for, for businesses or for individuals by minimizing their bill or minimizing their unnecessary usage of energy, um, but also reduced the carbon footprint. So we're actually helping with the environment. Um, and then also I guess helping um, individuals move towards a more innovative and technology um, assisted lifestyle by, by making it something seamless and easy to, to integrate with their lives. Great. So this is something for um, householders, landlords, re um, people in, in retail and commercial spaces as well? Yeah, we have a mix of clients, um, some of them utilising our platform to almost gamify their energy consumption and production um, data so by making it that all of their customer service attendants or or sort of end users now have the power in their hands to see real time the the energy consumption um that they're doing in their stores what we can do is provide um, really powerful business intelligence that says across these stores they ran super efficiently these stores didn't run efficiently we can trigger notifications with our communication capabilities which say at 5.05 p.m., why are you why are you utilising this much energy when your normal business activities should say you're using this? So it's all about being proactive rather than reactive with your energy behaviour and really sort of driving that engagement level. So that's on the commercial side. And then on the residential side, it's all about 
I guess, um, helping with the educational side of renewables, but also with helping with creating transparency behind what you're consuming, how your grid, um, what your relationship with your grid consumption is, what your relationship with your panels on the roof are, are they working to their optimal rate? How much are you saving in dollar values? All of those things, putting them in an easy to understand and easy to digest environment means that people are more likely to engage with and to, and to um, onboard these renewables um, projects. Great. Can you give us some examples of specific feedback you've had from owners um, and also from tradies who are installing and supplying the solar panels? Yeah, it's the the, the most common piece of feedback we get um, is that we're, we're filling the missing pieces in and we're helping to streamline those pain points for both the, the installers and also the project leads and also the um, the end users. Previously, if you were to engage in a renewable project, you know, there's an array of stakeholders from, from the manufacturer of the hardware, from the installer to being available on site to get onto the roof for the inductions. All of these different communication needs need to be funneled into one easy to manage environment, almost like a project management tool. Um, and so, yeah, the, the most recurring piece of the feedback we get is it's just become so much less of a pain um, to get these projects over the line, but also because they can see in real time the activity or the, the data being produced, they're actually able to enhance the return on investment that they're getting from these projects as well. Right. And you're marketing it as a turnkey solution. Could you explain to people who might not be familiar with that jargon, what does that mean for them in practical terms? Yeah, so we have we've formed really good relationships with um, some sort of handpicked um, channel partners who who provide PPAs or PPA brokers, um, and what it means is they can spend their time going out and trying to source clients, source households, source um, uh, commercial sites to get these panels put on the roof or to to. to transition into renewables and not have to worry about the actual project management that goes behind getting the panels up there and, and making sure it's a seamless process. So for some of our partners, we've been, I guess, pivotal in them being able to scale their operations significantly because their sales teams aren't having to manage, you know, the back and forth calls between installers and between the residents and between the business managers. They're able to actually just go out there and source as many different sites as possible. So it's, it's a win-win from uh, for, for all parties. Great, thank you. And recently you participated in the Global PropTech Demo Day along with a few other members of the PropTech Association Australia. Could you tell us a little bit about that um, event and what does that something like that opportunity mean for a business like Connexi? Yeah, I mean, firstly, we were, we were super privileged to, to get the opportunity to speak on a stage like that and to, to get that kind of exposure. I think the biggest thing it does for an organization like us who so much of what we're trying to do is to validate ourselves and to, and to build trust in the market. And if we're able to be pre to present on a platform of that magnitude, it really helps to reinforce that established um, validity in what we're doing. And also because what we're doing is a truly global product, having the exposure to a global market like that, it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity for us. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the panel today to talk about how Connexi is helping to promote sustainability in um, renewable by helping people to choose renewable energy. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, Anna, let's talk about wayfinding, social inclusion, and Bindi Maps. Can you please tell us in a nutshell what is Bindi Maps? What's your elevator pitch? 
Oh, thanks, Jen. So uh, Bindi Maps is a smartphone app that can help anyone find their way around a complicated uh, building, so inside of a hospital or a university or a shopping centre. Um, while anyone can use the app because we discovered that everyone gets lost, uh, we originally uh, designed the app for people who are blind or vision impaired. Yes, uh, that's an interesting aspect. That, so, But you've always been for profit, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, always been for profit. Um, and what was interesting was when we first um, got on board with Guide Dogs, they were actually quite specific that they wanted to see that we were for profit. Um, they'd had um, other difficulties apparently with not-for-profits. And I, I suppose there's a discipline in the financial markets around being a for-profit. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I guess there's a certain amount of commerciality and ability to make decisions and execute that also comes uh, <laughs> with being for profit. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the technology? You said there's an app. What else is involved in terms of software and hardware? Um, well, from the, the user's perspective, it's just a free app. So um, on the App Store or on Google Play. Uh, but from the building owner's perspective, what we do is we come out and we have to install some hardware. It doesn't take us very long. It's double-sided sticky tape. And it basically helps bring the GPS indoors, which we need to locate phones in space and then to do the routing algorithms. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on in the background um, that's, yeah, very busy product team. Okay. So could you give us an example of a building or, or a place we might have been to that is Bindi mapped that we might not have known was Bindi mapped? Um, sure. Well, Stone and Chalk is part of the Sydney Startup Hub um, and we're in at the Sydney Startup Hub. Um, we're also in St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. Uh, we're in a couple of private office buildings uh, through Sydney out at Stockland Weatherall Park. We've got installations all around Australia now. It's pretty exciting. And are there benefits to spaces from getting Bindi mapped other than the social inclusion benefits of helping people who are visually impaired? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, talking to shopping centres, the two biggest complaints they get is around wayfinding and car parking. Um, and with Bindi Maps, we'll definitely help with wayfinding, but um, we're also just released a new thing which can help with car parking, much to my um, yeah, it was one of my favourite features. I'm always losing my car. Um, things like airports also get a lot of complaints. People lose their car there and uh, car parking is actually a very important income stream to them. So there's those sorts of benefits from a customer service point of view. Um, there are also other benefits. We do collect very anonymised data. We're not selling anyone's data, but we can find out what people are looking for, what they're searching for and where, what sort of routes they're taking. Uh, and then we've also got uh, Bindi Maps on the web so people can have up to date, which is a big thing. We find that we're often the single source of truth for people's maps because they're very easily get out of date. Um, so, yeah, we, we can um, put Bindi Maps on the web as well. It all gets updated altogether. So there's quite a few benefits for our customers. Mm. And how quickly could uh, an environment get Bindi Mapped? Um, well, just to think about one of our biggest ones, which would be Stockland Weatherall Park, which is three buildings, 70,000 square metres. Uh, we did that in less than a day. It, 
doesn't take very long at all. Most of it's in the, um, the background with the devs. Okay. And you mentioned you now got Bindi on the web and it's live. Can you tell us what was it like before and what's it like now? And tell us a little bit more about the product roadmap. Where are you heading? Oh, gosh, we've got such a big product roadmap. I keep selling things and driving the product team insane because I'm always like, why don't we do this? This would be really fun. And they're like, no, <laughs> not fun. Um, so we're, we're increasing the uh, disabled populations that we can help. Um, so we're going to put in functionality for people that would prefer to use wheelchair accessible routing. Uh, we're also uh, having some uh, a look at doing some autism spectrum stuff so that people can choose routing around those sorts of things. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff from the sort of sighted users point of view. Then from the customer's point of view, um, we're also going to be looking at doing integrations into Google Maps and Apple Maps, again, just to help our customers uh, at the moment, if you've got maps, you've got to update them in so many different places from your website through to Google Maps, Apple Maps, um, your exit signs, everything. It just it ends up being a, a catastrophic mess from um, what we've seen with the, the maps that we've, you know, if, if you don't do a walkthrough, if you don't do a physical walkthrough of some of these venues, you've no idea what's mm. there because the maps are so out of date. Mm. And if something changes, then what might have previously have been wheelchair accessible is no longer wheelchair accessible. Oh, that, that happens all the time, Jennifer. It's, you know, escalators or lifts can break down. And then what are you supposed to do? Nobody's rerouted anyone. There might be a sign saying, you know, <laughs> don't come in. But nobody's saying to anyone in a wheelchair or, you know, there's another lift around the corner. But we can do that. And it's all because it's software based. It's, it's very fast to update a route to say that this route's no longer available and that this is an alternate. This will still be delivered through the Bindi Maps free app? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So from a user's perspective, um, download Bindi Maps and give it a go. Perfect. So thanks so much. That's really exciting to hear that it's now not just for um, social inclusion of visually impaired people, but you're extending into helping include people with other levels of ability as well. That's really exciting to hear. Thanks, Jennifer. Pat, let's talk about credit risk in construction and annuity. Can you tell us, please, in a nutshell, what is annuity? What's your elevator pitch? Sure, Jen. So annuity is a subscription platform that's sold to large-scale construction firms to protect their projects against supply chain bankruptcy. So really what we've got is a tool that builders use prior to contract award, which connects up to the subcontractor's financial information. So through a zero, a QuickBooks and a Myov. And based off that, we have a series of risk models that can predict financial distress in subcontractors. And those results are delivered back to the customer as an early warning or detection tool. Hmm. Was there any particular inspiration or aha moment you had to develop this solution for that problem? Yeah, look, supply chain bankruptcy in construction is just, you know, it's, it's off the chains in terms of funds that are spent. You know, I think last year there was $5 billion in unpaid debt just within construction, which is due to default and, and insolvency. Um, you know, my background, I used to work as a project manager and had a, a number of projects where subcontractors went bankrupt. 
and the time and cost involved from a builder's perspective to remediate that was just extensive. Um, let alone, it's, a, it's a, I guess it's a, a domino effect. You've got the client who the builder's working for, whose reputation's damaged by a delayed project. You've got the, uh, the actual subcontractor themselves that's fallen over. So, you know, the implications with that, you know, don't have any money to feed the family. So it's a whole network effect. And, um, you know, the problem is, is that, um, construction changing consistently. So there needs to be an ongoing monitoring tool. You know, if you look at current solutions in the market uh, in terms of pre-contract award financial checks, everything's static. Um, so I think that was the inspiration. Mm. Yes, I'm old enough to remember uh, Sydney back in the 1990s after the recession we had to have. And there were many large projects that just came to a halt and they were literally holes in the ground just with their hoarding sitting there collecting rainwater for years and years and years. So, yes, I can imagine that these are very complicated chains that the cash has to move through um, and that if it gets blocked or stuck at any point, the entire construction project can potentially collapse. Um, what feedback have you had from builders about this? Yeah, the feedback's been, you know, overwhelmingly good. I think especially, you know, COVID for some, you know, has been you know, negative. Obviously, it's, it's not a good thing that's happening. But for us, you know, a lot of times construction is a very out, outdated industry and a lot of builders have subcontractors that they've been working with for hundreds of years and don't realise the importance of, you know, looking at the financial health of their subs. And COVID for us has really shined a light on the problem um, and companies are now starting to realise that, you know, as we move into a new era of construction and, you know, we've got all these skyscrapers around the cities and across the world and we're building all these magnificent buildings, the impact of one subcontractor falling over is just, you know, catastrophic so you know the feedback's been great you know the, the use of the platform is very easy to use um, and we've really focused and doubled down on the actual subcontractor side of the platform so if you think of traditional agencies that conduct these financial assessments it's usually a one-way relationship where the data is just taken from the third party but we're trying to come from a different approach and incentivize that subcontractor market so giving them additional benefits to provide us with that information so you know part of that is you know giving them strategies to combat risks that we identify. You know, a lot of times subcontractors don't even know when they're going through financial distress, which mm. you know, can be scary. So um, giving them ability to, you know, I guess improve the culture between the builder and the subcontractor. So helping the, helping the subcontractor, um, you know, I guess having the builder is like a surety. So if the builder sees that the subcontractor is going through distress, you know, the builder comes in and backs the subcontractor through potentially early progress claims or giving them another project when they're struggling rather than just saying, look, you know, we've seen that you're going through troubles, you know, let's not work with you again. Mm. I'm curious to know a little bit more about how you explain the benefits to the subcontractors of allowing their real-time data to be uh, I, I mean, you, you, I guess from a privacy perspective, you don't allow any one individual's data to be seen. Is that right? There's some method of anon anonymization, or yeah. have I got that right? No, you're exactly right. So for us, security is the number one thing. Obviously, financial data is in you know integral part of, a, of an organization so what we've done we've created scoring systems out of 100 so raw data is never shown or shared with any third party on the platform all the data is encrypted and if you think of anility as the middleman between the builder and the subcontractor 
So we'll pull the data out from the subcontractor via an API. We'll then encrypt it. Um, we'll then feed that data through our model. Um, and then the results are delivered in the form of insights to the customer. So again, you know, one of the biggest concerns um, to begin with was subcontractors saying, you know, they don't want the builder to see exactly what people are getting paid and everything else that's stored in zero. So if we're trying to sort of, um, I guess, get rid of that black box effect. So within the dashboard for the subcontractor, they see exactly what the builder sees. So that builds trust between us, the subcontractor and uh, the end user. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know a little more about how, I mean, how do you sell the benefits to the subcontractors? And have you thought about how maybe you can establish um, some kind of badge or token for subcontractors to use at Proactive to say, hey, I'm a transparent um, you know, I'm transparent with my data. That's how I'm going to invest back in my relationship with you, the builder. Yeah, certainly. So in construction at the moment, underbidding is a massive problem for subcontractors. A lot of subcontractors are coming up against, you know, probably um, less experienced um, parties and putting in quotes that are just unrealistic. The margins in construction are just, you know, between one and one and a half percent profit, which is, you know, quite scary. So, you know, a lot of times that we're trying to build um, a badging system, which essentially becomes an annuity certified. So these subcontractors that provide us with this financial information will get a badge of approval. And this badge can then be used to take to new builders to win more work, promote themselves. Um, and I guess if you think of what we're doing is these financial badges are the first step. You know, there's a whole element of risk, you know, when awarding or selecting a subcontractor and insolvency is one of them. So part of the product roadmap over time is to build other badges that can help combat this underbidding um, and I guess become an industry benchmark um, within the construction sector. Mm. I'm curious to know as well. So when you're taking data from Xero or, or Myob, potentially every subcontractor has set up their line items and their accounting a little bit differently from each other. So how do you um, cope with that challenge? Yeah, great question. So we've got quite a complex ETL process. Um, so each time a subcontractor in boards, um, they obviously select the accounting system they work with, but we then have an interface that allows the subcontractor to uh, customize the way they account. So some subcontractors obviously put non-current current assets and people account completely differently. We obviously need this to flow into our model um, in one consistent way. So part of the subcontractors onboarding is that they'll set this up from the beginning and then each time that we extract data from their system is pulled in the right way, making sure that um, that data is then flowed back to the builder. Um, and prior to that also, there's an approval process. So as I was saying before about the black box, um, subcontractors want to know exactly what the builder sees. They don't want any surprises. So part of that is an approval process to make sure that the system's captured it correctly before flowing through into the builder's uh, dashboards and portal. Okay, excellent. And last year, Anility participated along with Connexi uh, in Western Sydney University Launchpad's Urban Futures Accelerator. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program and the benefits to you? Yeah, for sure. Look, the Urban Futures Accelerator program for us was awesome. Um, it came at a good time where we just launched into the market. Um, we'd gone through a prior accelerator program, but this was focused for us on business development potentially. So partnering up with Landcom um, and other uh, 
I guess, large prop tech entities that are associated with Western Sydney Uni. So it was really around validating the problem, um, speaking with other industry um, startups, such as Matt from Connexi. Um, and yeah, it was great. Um, it was great for us. We obviously got um, a fair bit of work out of that and um, in terms of Western Sydney's partners. So um, it, was, it was great. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for telling us more about how Enelity is helping to promote good governance and understanding of credit risk in construction. Thank you. Hi, Matt. Can I come back to you um, now? Can you tell us a little bit more about your team at Connexi? Who are your co-founders? And you'll have to come off mute. Can you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Hey. Yeah, so we've got um, Sebastian Jacobs and Jay Cannon, are the two other founders at Connexi. Um, Seb is the the product guy, um, and Jake is our sales guy. And then I sort of work somewhere in between the two of them and try and align the product and the sales to to be on a, a strategic roadmap of some form. Um, Seb's background, he he actually invented a life saving device prior to doing anything with Connexi, which is now used all around the world today in high rise um, firefighting techniques which is pretty cool. So he's always been someone that's an innovator um, looking to, to improve the way things are or the as is and Jake, where we're super fortunate to have him involved because he's just got a background in sort of software implementation and enterprise software solutions. So yeah, we were, yeah, the, the three of us come together and, um, and each brings a strength to the table that the other one, uh, you know, can, can work off. Wonderful. Um, Anna, can I ask the same question to you, please? Can you tell us who you have on board in um, your team as co-founders at Bindi Maps? Um, yeah, so I've got two co-founders. I sound a lot like Matt. So I've got Miladin Jovanovic, who um, heads up sales, um, and Tony Barrett, that looks after all of our product teams. So same as Matt, I sort of sit in the middle um, and try and steer that ship <laughs> and not have the sales team bug the product team too much and vice versa. Um, but we've got a, we're a total team of 10 now split evenly between Melbourne and Sydney. Wonderful. Um, and Pat, but you're a, you're a solo founder. Um, do you think at some point you could possibly look, look to bring someone on and give them co-founder status or are you finding, uh, you, this is, this is what you're going to continue to do at least for the time being? No, nah, look, the intention was never to be a solo founder. It's just the way that it worked out. I think, um, recently I brought on Justin St. Pierre as a chief uh, operating officer, who's got a great background in corporate and both startup um, who looks after marketing um, and operations for us. So I take care of most of the sales um, just given my background in construction and deep understanding of the, of, uh, the construction industry. Um, and then all marketing front um, and operations and day-to-day -day stuff, uh, Justin takes care of very well. So it's been great. And um, we've recently brought on a growth marketer as well. So the team's strong at three at the moment. Um, and yeah, plan is to recruit and, um, expand the team over the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, another kind of question about your, your founders journeys so far, um, Matt, how have you funded Connexi? Yeah. So we, um, we engaged in a seed raise once we had our MVP in market, um, which helped us sort of go from our sticks and glue version through to our robust um, enterprise solution that we have now. Um, so yeah, we were really fortunate. We found, um, some people that were in the markets that we were looking to penetrate that really saw the exciting element of what we were doing. 
um, and they wanted to not only be involved as advisors, they wanted to have skin in the game. They could see that there was, um, that there was a significant uh, potential behind the solution. Um, so that's, that's where our seed raise came from. And then now that we've sort of got that um, established um, market fit, where we're looking at what the next stage is and how do we effectively scale our organization. And that might, that might come in the shape of another sort of uh, a pre series a or, or a series a raise in the near future. Awesome. And, and uh, Bindi maps, can you tell us a little bit about how Bindi maps has funded itself along the journey? Um, we've done three raises now, Jennifer. So we actually very, you know, crazily did a raise right in the middle of COVID, um, which was a bit, bit of a challenge, but it ended up being oversubscribed. So, yeah, so we've got a mixture of venture capitalists through to high net worth individuals, um, mainly all interested in the impact investment space um, because of our work with people with a disability um, and getting um, full inclusion in our public buildings. Perfect. Thanks. And Pat, how have you funded Anility to date? So when we first started, we had a friends and family round um, that invested in the business, which um, allowed us to build out the MVP. We then had uh, University of New South Wales invest a small chunk of cash into the business in a safe note. And the rest has been bootstrapped and customer driven since then. Um, but look, we're looking to open out probably a seed round um, within the next six weeks. So We'll be going out to a bunch of construction execs um, within the space, high, high net worth individuals. Um, and then also we've, we've started to attract a bit of interest from the insurance space. So potentially pioneering with brokers um, who would resell our products to their customers. So um, probably targeting someone from that insurance angle would also be good to bring on from both the capital and uh, strategic point of view. Mm, yes, I can absolutely see that in the banking and insurance community, often they're, I think, um, asked to provide either performance guarantees or insurance against failure to complete. And I think the data that you're doing, uh, also the work you're doing, first of all, reduces the risk that that guarantee or insurance would be called on. Um, but secondly, it's more interesting work for them potentially to access some data that lets them price what they do more accurately as well. So I could see that could definitely be of interest. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think that the, the insurance angle for us is an interesting one because we've recently um, had a couple of conversations with some insurance firms in the US and in the US for any government construction projects, um, there's a there's a policy called subcontractor default insurance, which is mandated, and that purely protects the general contractor or the builder against subcontractors going default. Um, so we've had some really promising conversations of late around partnering with these organisations who would then push our product out um, in tandem with their policies to, to sort of combat that, which um, is beneficial from both the insurer who can then, um, I guess, prevent claim payouts from the, from the builder, but then also from the builder, um, saving them from the, the headache of having to go through that process. So mm. it's probably a next uh, target for us. Mm. And as you said before, things can change very, very quickly. So if you don't have access to real-time data, you've only got very static and historical data, which doesn't necessarily adjust, let you adjust your risk appetite or pricing in real time. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think in the I think the construction space is probably one of the most unique space in terms of everyday risks are changing, variables are up and down. So having a real-time monitoring of that financial health is critical because if you think of the length of a construction project that goes you know, for three years long sometimes, doing one upfront financial check in a subcontractor 
who's using information from six months before the project started is, you know, can be, can be meaningless in, in some ways. So having that live data feed that goes through consistently is just beneficial for, for everyone involved. Mm. Okay, I should say if anyone does have a question for Matthew, Anna or Patrick, uh, please do use the Q&A function. Uh, you should be able to see it at the bottom middle of your screen. Please just pop any questions you have in there. Um, I did also want to check uh, that you knew about PropTech Association Australia's inaugural PropTech Awards. Might you possibly have heard about the PropTech Awards and even have entered? Matt, what's your answer? We, uh, Connexi has thrown its hat in the ring. We, um, we've put an application in for the Smart Cities startup solution. So we're, we're yeah, in it to win it. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, perfect. Let's bring in Anna. Uh, have you potentially got your application underway? I think you'd probably also be a smart cities, smart buildings candidate, although in the scale-up category. Yeah. Um, well, I heard about the awards earlier. Thank you, Jennifer. So, yes, we'll certainly be having a look at them. Perfect. We'll be following up on that. And lastly, Pat, um, I think maybe since you're in construction, you might be in the design and development category. Um, have you had a look? Will you undertake here live on the PropTech panel to take a look at our PropTech awards? Well, I definitely will. Uh, thank you for the heads up. No, I wasn't aware of the awards, but I will certainly be taking a look after this. Okay, awesome. Um, like I said, any questions for the panel, please do use them in the Q&A. Otherwise, we might just hey, do one more round and then bring it, kind of bring it to a close. But is there anything we haven't spoken of yet that you would love the viewers to know about Connexi? Um, I think just talking about the facts, uh, like obviously our business operates in the renewable space, but really putting an emphasis on the fact that we're only just scratching the surface, not specifically Connexi, but the the construction or the, the prop tech uh, landscape as a whole is only really just scratching the surface in what we can do with the renewable energy. Like I think the panels and, and the hardware and everything else is, is sort of developed exponentially and, and it's got to a point where it's, it's incredible pieces of hardware. And now we're in a position where, well, what software, what opportunity can we have now to optimize and to maximize the benefits we're getting out of this? So I think for anyone who's potentially interested or wants to know more about the renewable space, I think now is definitely a time to sort of dive in head first and find out about all the opportunities in front of you, because there's just so many incredible things that we can do in that space now. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of solutions out there to, to maximize it. Thank you. And Anna, same question to you. Is there anything that we haven't spoken of that you'd love people to know about Bindi Maps? Um, well, I'd just like to mention for everybody that's watching the panel just how important it is to think about your buildings as being fully inclusive. Um, a lot of times when I go through buildings with somebody in a wheelchair or somebody who's vision impaired, um, and I realise what a, an enormous struggle it can be to navigate something even as simple as a shopping centre um, when people are having to try, if you're vision impaired, trying to smell to see what the different shops are because if there are Braille signs there, I, I challenge all of you to go to your shopping centre, close your eyes and try and find the bathrooms by using a Braille sign. Um, you know, Braille is useful, absolutely. Absolutely, but it doesn't actually get you to the proper doorway. So um, it, it is very, a lot of our big buildings are 
desperately um, non-accessible. Um, and I just think as our, you know, we're getting better on uh, renewable energies, as Matt talks about, we're getting better on our contracting and that sort of thing. Let's also get better on diversity and inclusion and making sure that all of our public spaces are for everyone, not just for non, you know, and non-disabled Australians. Mm. Thank you. So I think I'm not sure if I've got this statistic right, but something like one in five Australians have some aspect, either mentally or physically, that means um, what you're offering is relevant to them. I mean, one in five, that's 20% of us. That's not a small minority. At all. No, no, and it's it's not a small minority at all. And and then if you overlay that, that one in every forty two Australians is blind or vision impaired, um, I challenge anyone to go out to a shopping centre or a university or an office building, and see whether every one in every forty two people is is there using a white cane or a guide dog, um, and, and yeah, just then you're dealing with enormous. Um, underrepresentation and also not non-economic participation by a whole bunch, you know, 20% of Australians. It's, it's, it's awful. So we're going to change all that. Yes. Or I guess then possibly we, we restrict how we participate. I mean, I'd have to say um, I tend to park in exactly the same place every single time I go to a certain shopping centre. And, in fact, I will take the same route around that shopping centre because I am so nervous and generally I'm quite time poor. If I get lost, it's it's impossible to know where you are and how you meant to get back to your car. So I find I just don't take that risk, which means the tenants in that shopping centre are not getting the benefit of me as passing traffic because I'm not passing them because I'm restricting. No. Um, based and on you don't even know they're there. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I can see there is one question for you, Matt, um, in the Q&A, but let me just finish with Pat. Was there anything else about annuity that we haven't spoken of that you'd like to make sure everyone knows? Yeah, I think it's just probably worth considering anyone that's going to do renovations to the house or anyone that does construction work in general. I think, you know, a trend that's been around for a long time now is, you know, the cheapest bid, who's the cheapest quote, and everyone's usually, you know, everyone usually goes with that, that, that lowest quote, or if they don't, they go the one up. Now, I think it's important to note that the lowest quote doesn't necessarily represent the best nor the worst. I think it's important to do due diligence around whoever that you're engaging. Yes, financial due diligence is one component of, you know, and the overall risk profile of an organization, but I think it's important to go that level deep and always ask the questions um, because investing in any sort of construction work is complex and it takes a lot of time. And if things go south as, you know, everyone's got that horror story of something going wrong in construction. So just whenever you're engaging, keep your wits about you and, and make sure you do the research beforehand. Mm -hmm. And the question that's come up in the chat, I might actually ask it to all three of you, Patrick, is there anyone else doing anything similar? Do you have any competitors solving for this particular problem of credit risk? Uh, yeah, so generally we come up against sort of two organisations. The first is internal. So the CFO for a company that we're selling to does 
financial checks themselves um, on subcontractors. Um, and then the second is traditional agencies like an Equifax or a Dun & Bradstreet. Um, the sort of difference between annuity and these two is that they're both static. So it's based off a point in time. It's not continuous. Um, whereas annuity is a real-time monitoring tool, um, which is suited to construction. So um, they're the two that we're coming up against. But it's just, again, now it's just educating the market as to the needs of uh, an ongoing tool. Wonderful. And Matt, in, in your space, uh, who do you compete with? Um, well, I guess as a, a holistic um, view, we compete with the traditional energy retailers to a degree. I mean, it's it's in their interest to try and protect their market share. So what we do is we focus on the software, which has actually meant that we've partnered with some of these energy retailers. Um, and then on a similar vein, there's companies like Solar Analytics, who sort of work more in the space of monitoring specifically. There's a lot of monitoring companies, but what Connexi does, which kind of is a bit different in how we focus our solution, is we couple that monitoring with communication workflows. So the trigger of the monitoring actually stimulates the opportunity to collaborate and come up with a resolution as opposed to just monitoring, if that makes sense. Um, and then the final, the final competitor we have is a lot of the, depending on the, the, tier of the hardware purchased some of them come with their own onboard um monitoring capabilities Mm -hmm. but again the 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 integration and the onboarding process of those systems is very clunky and also limited in its um, capabilities so what we really try and do is even if they have all of these existing competitors we actually are value-added on top of that still so solar analytics for example we can clip in with their offering So they might already have the monitoring of the site, but then they could add us to their offering to the client, meaning that they can do the monitoring with through their, their platform and the communication through Connexi. Okay. And Anna, lastly, uh, are there any competitors to you? And also I suppose some people might say, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Google maps just work inside? But I guess there's the element of um, you have to know which floor you're on. Is that part, is that part of the answer? That's part of it. And also GPS won't reach, um, which is what Google Maps is based on. So, yeah, obviously we've got a lot of competitors, but um, again, just to point out the difference, um, we know where you are so we can locate you in space. A lot of our competitors will say, well, you tell me where you are. So you standing outside JB Hi-Fi and then tell me where you want to go and we'll draw a route on a map for you. Um, but of course, again, if you're blind or vision impaired, you don't necessarily know exactly what store you're standing outside of. So um, our location ability is is fairly unique for what we're doing. Um, and then also the accessibility features. Um, there's, there's, I mean, I challenge, again, we'll put out another challenge, anyone who's making any apps, and this includes Matt and Patrick as well, um, to make sure that they are accessible um, to people who are blind or vision impaired, because um, why should they miss out? Um, yeah, but it's not that easy. Mm. So it's funny, sorry, I, I do remember once my um, GPS-based sat-nav, I was actually in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, and my sat-nav taught me to get into the left-hand lane so I could turn onto the Carl Expressway. I was like, very useful. I think you can do that from the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't know where you were in the tunnel. It was guessing. No. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think that about brings us to time. Thank you so much for being guests today. Matthew War, Head of Growth and Partnerships at Connexi. No, not a problem. Thank you so much for having me on the panel. Anna Wright, CEO of Bindi Maps.
Thanks, Jennifer. And Patrick Connolly, CEO of Inility. Thanks for having us, Jen. It was a pleasure. My pleasure too. And lastly, for those of you who haven't um, been over to the PropTech Association Australia's website lately, please do. Details of how you can join us as a member are there. Details of how you can enter for the PropTech Awards is there as well. Entries are due by Friday the 19th of March and we're going to have a gala event pandemic committee uh, in Sydney on Thursday the 27th of May with satellite events in other locations and there'll be a live stream as well. I think that's all for now. I'm Jennifer Harrison. I'm Vice President of the PropTech Association Australia and I look forward to seeing you for another PropTech panel this soon.